0: and get 10% off your plan.
1: My dad works in B2B marketing. He came by my school for career day and said he was a big row ass man. Then he told everyone how much he loved calculating his return on ad spend. My friends still laugh at me to this day. Not everyone gets B2B, but with LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people who do. Get $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com/generate to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com/generate. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be.
0: This episode is brought to you by Facebook Blueprint. Learn everything about building a business using Facebook, Instagram and their growing family of apps and services for free. Everyone has a next level, so whether you're just getting started or want to hone your existing marketing skills, there's a free online course to help. Visit fb.me/blueprint/adweek to learn more.
2: You're listening to Yeah, that's probably an ad. It's the Adweek podcast where we talk about marketing, media, advertising, technology, pop culture, because in the end, everything is an ad. I'm David Greiner. I'm the creative and innovation editor at Adweek. Uh, with me, welcome back. A uh, longtime guest since the earliest days of this podcast, but we just don't have you on as much as we'd like to anymore. Christina Monlos, uh, brand marketing editor for Adweek. How are you?
3: I'm, I'm doing pretty well. Uh, yeah, apologies to listeners for not being on for a while. Um, my job has changed as like everyone at Adweeks has. Uh, So it's just, it's harder and harder to make time for things like this, but don't fret. I love being on and I wish I were on more.
2: I actually got a text from someone the other day asking, when is Christina going to be back on? And I said, (laughs) and I was like, well, I didn't want to get their hopes up. I was like, she's scheduled to be on the next one, (laughs) but you never know. Uh, So we appreciate you making time for us. Also back, uh, we've got a real VIP roster uh, this week. We've got Patrick Coffey, uh, Patrick, we, we've we kind of changed your job up a little bit, and honestly, I don't know your new job title. What is your job title these days?
4: <laughs> well, I haven't established a new title yet, David. It's, oh, those um, are the best. <laughs> a little odd to... Discuss that, but
2: <laughs> all right, we'll um, leave some mystery if you'd prefer. But Patrick has been on the agency's feed at Adweek for uh, yeah. a long time, and was our, uh, and so uh, he's his job will be evolving in some really cool and exciting ways uh, that maybe we will divulge better once we give you a title <laughs> <laughs> and write some of this down. My fault. Now again, anyone listening busy. to this
3: is like, what is <laughs> happening over there? What are they doing? Yeah, it's like, why are they talking? It's about a race this? to
2: see who. It's a race to see who's busiest. Christina's too busy to be on the podcast. Patrick's too busy to have a job. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, We've also got back uh, Doug Zanger, editor on creative and agencies. uh, And uh, welcome back, Doug.
1: I'm very busy as well. Good to be back.
2: (laughs) All right. So uh, exciting week this week. We're breaking format. We're not going to be doing uh, necessarily news and ads worth watching because it's all kind of folded together into one big uh, discussion this week, which is Adweek's Agencies of the Year, uh, by which we mean creative agencies. There's a lot of different kinds of agencies. uh, And this is uh, one of the biggest honors we give each year. Uh, It's certainly uh, kind of one of the hardest to win. Uh, We award one U.S. Agency of the Year. Each year, we award one Global Agency of the Year. And then we have two other categories, which are kind of fascinating. We have Breakthrough Agency of the Year, which means an agency. It doesn't necessarily mean they're new, uh, but that they finally have broken through into being one of those agencies everybody talks about and that just keeps coming up. Uh, and so we'll go over who that pick is this year. And then we've also got a our newest category is International Agency of the Year. This is um, different from global. International just means that it's an agency in another country that's not America. Maybe it's part of a network. Maybe it's independent. Uh, but they're doing really interesting work. Uh, and this is just a good opportunity for us to talk about those. So let's, uh, let's get to it. All right. Uh, Patrick, since you wrote the cover story, I will let you do the big reveal. Who is Adweek's 2018 Agency of the Year? Uh, sorry, U- U.S. Agency of the Year. <laughs>
4: <laughs> it is Wieden and Kennedy, David. It is a well-deserved, not completely unsurprising, but uh, still very much well-deserved honor for them.
2: Yeah, I, I feel like it's safe to say this is one of the most unsurprising selections, uh, definitely in my time of being involved with this process. Uh, it, that is not to say that we're not several other very strong contenders uh, for U.S. Agency of the Year, uh, but it's been interesting talking to people because they're like, it's going to be widened, right? It's going to be widened. And, of course, we can't <laughs> say anything, but they, they all just kind of shrug and they're like, we know we know they got it. Um, yeah, but but so tell that. it. Tell us a little bit about uh, about why what 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 was it about Widen? Uh, and I should mention that when we get together as a group uh, and we select our agencies of the year, that we're generally looking at a combination of business performance, creative excellence, uh, and then and then a, a bunch of fuzzier factors. We look at their real, their creative real from the past year. We look at how they, what strategic moves they've made. I mean, it's a very three dimensional picture of the agency. But so, tell us about some of the strongest points of Widen uh, from this year.
4: Well, if this isn't giving too much away or, or uh, offending some of the other agencies that were involved. Uh, once the, the reel started with Nike and once the Nike portion was over, everybody in the room kind of looked at each other and uh, it, there was a wordless understanding that, that this was probably going to be it um, just because Wyden's work for Nike this year was um, particularly affecting. I mean, they've had, it's the 30th anniversary of Just Do It and uh, which has consistently been uh, one of the just most successful ad campaigns um, period. But I personally and, and the team, I think really felt that it that it uh, reached a new level in terms of uh, relevance in a way, and uh, creative quality. And um, that was but I don't think that it's it's fair at the same time to say that it was that it was just Nike. I mean, um, Obviously, uh, Wyden's headquarters in Portland runs the Nike account. But um, if you just look on, on the business side, their New York office actually had really more of a, a breakthrough year. Um, they handle the uh, the Bud Light account, which was everywhere. Um, and whether you like it or not, Dilly Dilly is is here to stay. And um, they also, in what was one of the biggest and um, – I wouldn't say surprising, but, but striking account wins of the year. They, they won Ford, or they won the lead creative uh, role on Ford's brand campaign. They're not uh, agency of record. That went to BBDO, but they are a, quote, innovation partner. And um, th- essentially what Ford told us is that the f- work to come for the brand will be building on what Wyden established So it was – that's a huge win for them.
2: Um, Yeah, I mean Widen stood an incredibly good shot of being the first agency in many years to win both U.S. and global. It's possible. It's only happened once in Adweek history. And can anyone guess the agency that that pulled it off last time? It was Widen and and (laughs) Kennedy. Yeah, Yeah, yeah. that was a trick question. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So, um, But, you know, it's one of those where I think if we had seen – Kind of the level of global work last year. They were our global agency of the year for 2017. Uh, a lot of that rode on the success of their New York office, uh, plus Amsterdam, plus London, uh, Shanghai. Uh, this year, you know those offices. It's it's interesting. Like last year, our beef with uh, Wyden was that the Portland office was a little too quiet. You know they were doing KFC, they were doing Old Spice, but nothing really to write home about. And then uh, this year, man, Portland was. Uh, as you mentioned, uh, just out of control with doing amazing work for Nike. Uh, you know, I liked quite a bit of the KFC stuff. I thought they did some of the better old spice stuff in recent memory. Um, and uh, but oh, man, the New York office continues to just be a powerhouse. Uh, you know, they're they're cranking out Bud Light, Delta, uh, uh, OK Cupid. I believe they do. Um, man, it's just it, 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 what a what a. Kind of golden age for the for that New York office, uh, Doug. You've been in Portland for a long time. You've right. known Wyden for a long time. You're based in Portland now. How how has Wyden changed in in you know the recent in recent years? Uh, you know, I think uh, a lot
1: of it is there's been change, but a lot of things have stayed the same. And I think it comes down to the essence of what the agency was built on. And uh, as Patrick pointed out, it, the Dan Wyden you know basically says we we don't do um, we don't do advertising. We do, um, expletive. Am I allowed to curse on this show?
4: Yeah, sure. Why not? Yeah.
1: They do, uh, <laughs> the best fucking communication in the business <laughs> or words to that effect. And, uh, so I, I think that that's, that's been the red thread that's been pulled through the agency. And I moved here in 1992 and I don't think that's, that's really ever changed. That said, I think that, Um, technology has helped accelerate the exposure of the work I think that uh, another big plus is that the agency has continued to build more diversity among its teams and especially among their creative teams. So I I think it's, it's been a case of really the the long view and starting with a foundation of doing good work out of the gate. And that's, you know, that's, that's one thing that's never changed. I think we do talk about ebbs and flows with agencies and, and yeah, you know, there, there have been some, there have been some ebbs in, in certain, you know, in certain years, depending on which office you're talking about, but, on the whole, if you take a look at it, they've just been very consistent. I also think their spirit of independence is something that, you know, that's not just, that's not just talk to them. They, they really honestly believe it and they, and they live it every day. That's a huge deal. And that'll continue as as long as the agency continues as well. So, now, it's been been a lot of you know a lot of changes just around them, but I think the foundation of what they build at the beginning is what carries it.
3: Oh, I, I was just gonna say, I was just gonna say, I think it's I think it's obvious for any of our readers to pick up on that this is like Wyden's year where they would win this, um, and it's as you guys have said, it's not just Nike, but you kind of just, you look at what they did with Dilly Dilly and what they did with Nike, and it's really hard to argue with two campaigns where they were able to take something and make it actually impact culture. Like there are so few campaigns where people I know want to talk to me about, people outside of the marketing world want to talk to me about like how this has come together and what this is. And for Dilly Dilly and... And Nike, both of those things have happened. And also, you know, I I think anyone who is like scrolling their social feed the day after the Kaepernick campaign came out, I like dozens of people that I follow were reposting that and like there there's just you can't you kind of can't argue with work like that when it makes an impact like that. Mm -hmm. You know? It just makes the choice really obvious.
4: I had a uh, conversation with my, my father-in-law over Thanksgiving about how Dilly Dilly came about, and he was legitimately interested to know. So rare. Yeah, that is the rarest <laughs> so the rarest rare. thing for
2: us. <laughs> like a bunch of nerds whose families never want them to talk about what, what we cover for a little. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I mean, I think I, I would say even going beyond Dilly Dilly and um You know, and and, uh, the 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 Kaepernick work, and just all the all the stellar work that they did around uh, the 30th anniversary of Just Do It. You look at something like OK Cupid. You know the work that they did for that, uh, where it was the DTF campaign. um, Yeah, that was great. Largely outdoor. And it's just so perfect in that, like 2018, like it just felt. You know, there were people posing next to the ads, reenacting the images uh, because it was so kind of inclusive, and and you know, it just. I remember looking at that campaign and just being like, "Oh, this is so now." It is just so, and, and yeah. not in a not in a. Usually, when we say this is so 2018, we are not complimenting something. I'd say this is in the good way. <laughs> <laughs> this is like like the words.
4: It took a brand that didn't feel relevant that people were kind of like, "Oh, okay, Cupid is still around," and suddenly it was. It felt relevant again.
2: And, and I mean, I think the work that they've done from Delta for Delta, which I, I honestly uh, was not a huge fan of before this year. Like in previous years, I have not loved the Delta work. I found it to be a little too self serious and and like honestly, kind of overly artsy in a certain way uh this year i felt like they, they really hit their stride they had their runways campaign with just like the camera going down different things and that, that look line. like look like a runway you know a, d- a dinner table and all this like oh it's it's so good it is so well shot it's such a good ad and it's just yeah they're just one of those agencies where everything they put out is at least worth watching which is saying a lot well and, <laughs> yeah. and, and, and air, the airline business is a tough category it's a
1: very tough category. So the fact that they've been able to be so consistent is, you know, that that's another telling part of the story as well. And then also the CMO in in the piece said, you know, this is going to be our agency for a long time. So that's a, a nice vote of confidence.
4: Yeah, he said that after calling them pushy, driven and aggressive, which was I found uh, pretty interesting that, that uh, you know, they're able to get. That response out of a client, even though you kind of acknowledge that, well, they're they're going to do what they're going to do. Um, I also thought that there's an interesting narrative between last year and this year with Wyden because last year they were our global agency of of the year, and uh, it was more about them sort of positioning themselves uh, for for the long run in terms of both naming new leadership and kind of pivoting in terms of the kind of work that they do and the kind of clients that they're working on, more more stuff like Airbnb, uh, more, and this, this is mentioned in the story a little bit, uh, work that's maybe not quite as visible, but is every bit as important to their business. Like, for example, you haven't seen any big campaigns for Airbnb, but they've been working on that account for uh, more than a year and, Eventually, we, we may well see some broadcast spots, and I'm, I'm sure we will, and they've done some stuff uh, regionally based. But the way they described it was we've embedded ourselves within their business and determined how they want to move forward as a company.
2: Well, let, let's talk a little bit about uh, the, the executive leadership changed a bit this year. I really have a feeling it was less in substance than just kind of reflecting the way things somewhat already were, but I'm I'm, I'm kind of you know, maybe making some assumptions there. But we saw Colleen DeCourcy, uh, who was the co-global creative chief uh, she was promoted to president, uh, co-president alongside Tom Blessington, uh, Dave Luer, who I believe was previously president. Right? He uh, he is moving into a chair chairperson role yep. along with Susan Hoffman, who used to be co-creative chief. Uh, Susan's been she was like the eighth employee ever at Wyden, something like that. She's she's a longtime uh, you know icon of that agency. Uh, but uh, you know, it also just highlighted, as we've talked about on this podcast, before, that Colleen de Corsi, uh is just. One of those you know your top three kind of advertising leaders of the moment uh, and i and I wish I knew Tom Blessston a little better um. We should. Uh, I'm going to try to get both of them on the podcast uh, sometime soon. Uh, but you know, it's just I think it reflected the fact that this whole industry kind of looks to Colleen DeCourcy now, especially due to uh, her involvement uh, along with many other leaders in Times Up advertising and just you know a lot of the issues that have come out of me too. Uh, but uh, you know, uh, Patrick, I feel like this uh, you know something we've talked about on here before. But uh, I mean, do you feel that that, that leadership change has really changed much, or just kind of recognized? you know, the, the structure they already had in place.
4: Um, in terms of her her role in, in Time's
2: Up? No, no, sorry. Let me back that up. I'm just saying, like, I'm just saying what did this executive change of, like, Colleen and Tom coming in, um, you know, as co-presidents, like, did that did that really change much? Or is it just kind of a reflection of the way things were already running or, you know, or just?
4: I, I think it's the the return of Tom is probably more significant, but it's also a vote of confidence in Colleen. You know, I mean, she's, she's been sort of the, has naturally become um, the, uh, the the face of Wyden in in a way. And, and she's very, she's going to be, if she listens to this, she'll be very embarrassed because it's not a role that she has chosen for herself. She has not, um, you know, decided that she wants to be the, the spokesperson for advertising or anything like that, but uh, it's, it's just kind of something that comes almost organically to her that she I think finds herself in the center of almost every conversation uh, and that was especially true this year because of uh, the Time's Up and it, as she explained it to me she feels that because of her um, the degree of privilege that she's had uh, she's uh, feels sort of somewhat of a responsibility to. Um, Weigh in, and more importantly, give others an opportunity to be heard.
1: Well, I, I would, I would add also that I mean, she's she's been so deeply respected by so many people for a very long time within the industry, but it's not something that was necessarily very public. So, to right. to your point, th- this feels like a very natural progression. And what what I appreciate most about Colleen is that she. She gives a certain level of empathy and accessibility that I think was lacking. I think she's somebody that you can sit and listen to. And really take a lot of what she says to heart. I mean, we've all done the circuit and we've heard, you know, we've heard plenty of prepared PR speeches over the years. But to your point also, you know, it's very organic. She's just uh, genuinely cares about this industry and more importantly, by extension, cares about the people. So I think she is a very natural leader. And that will be an interesting thing to see in the next five years because uh, she's, you know, she's probably somebody this industry needs right now.
3: One thing I will say is that um, Colleen is obviously like an amazing leader and has done a wonderful job and seems to always be the coolest person at Cannes. But I would also note that like Colleen and a lot of the female leaders of agencies this year, I think they've had a tougher year um, and they've been under a lot more scrutiny and how they've handled things and what they've been doing. And just like not only being a woman in this business, but being a woman in a leadership position while the business tries to do something (laughs) to recognize what, uh, has been going on over the last year. I think a lot of uh, women in particular have been under a lot of scrutiny and, you know, you have to commend leaders like Colleen, who, um, are able to, to deal with that pressure and, and and do everything else really well. I I just don't want to ignore that. Like for a lot of, agency leaders like becoming part of a times up group uh, as as well as like your usual job is is not the case and it is for a lot of these women and i think that you know, it's hard to change an industry. It's really hard. And I don't want to ignore that part of things. It's like when you're doing your job really well and then you're also trying to help change that industry, that's really notable.
2: Yeah, I mean, that, like, because you you bring up the point that by putting yourselves out there and, and, you know, they've made made it clear that Time's Up is a, you know, it's a group of hundreds of, of, of leaders, uh, you know, not just members, but leaders in the uh, female leaders in the advertising community but you know, each one of them is putting themselves out there uh, by being part of it is that if they make any missteps if their agency makes any missteps which we saw this year you know that said that happened with some leadership it almost makes you triple exposed right mm-hmm. because you've kind of put yourself out there as an advocate and so yeah it's like when these issues come up and they will come up that's kind of the whole point uh, is that you're trying to be more transparent but at the same time you're, you're putting yourself out there and opening yourself up for you know potential potentially looking like a hypocrite uh, if something goes south which you know again has happened mm-hmm this Mm -hmm. year uh, with other agencies but we don't really have time to get into but um, well we uh, I don't want to spend uh, the whole podcast on Widen, although they're certainly a fascinating one Uh, Christina I will let you pick uh, let's listen to one of their ads from this year Uh, what what do you want to play what ad should we listen to I mean
3: I think everyone has heard the Nike ad uh, so I would actually pick the Dilly Dilly Super Bowl spot yes
2: Philly Philly (laughs) <laughs> let's go back to the the days of the Bud Night. Uh, let's uh, let's listen to the Super Bowl <laughs> ad for Dilly Dilly.
1: Look, it's the Bud Night. It's the Bud Night. We're saved. Yes. Dilly Dilly.
3: Time to do what must be done. I did it. Hey, Bud Knight, aren't you going to fight with us? Oh, uh, a buddy of mine is having this 30th birthday thing. Oh, yeah, well, that's
1: understandable.
3: Hey, if you survive, come by.
2: Probably won't happen,
1: but, you know, we'll yeah. yeah, that's true. You know what? Watch this. Oh, no!
4: Wow, somebody likes attention.
2: All right. Uh, Well, congratulations to Wyden and Kennedy, last year's Global Agency of the Year winner, this year's U.S. Agency of the Year uh, winner. We're going to take a quick break, and then we will be back to talk about the Breakthrough Agency of the Year.
0: Support from our show today comes from our friends at Facebook Blueprint. Building a successful business is only half the challenge. Facebook Blueprint gives you free training and tools to teach you everything you need to know, about building your brand presence on Facebook and taking your business to the next level. Visit fb.me slash blueprint slash ad to learn more.
2: Well, uh, so as I mentioned, we have two major categories here. We've got U.S. Agency of the Year and Global Agency of the Year. With global, uh, what we're looking for, usually it's slightly different than U.S. Uh, it Your U.S. offices do uh, matter um, in the sense that, you know, it, most A lot of agencies are based in America or at least have an extensive presence in America, but what we're looking for is a strong global network, a strengthening global network. Uh, we're, we're certainly looking at business wins and hopefully not too many losses. But really, this year, I think more so than ever, the conversation around, uh, as we've already talked about, piercing into culture you know, and not just obviously in America, but piercing into a lot of different cultures. We're coming out of this era of really generic global marketing and getting much more local and much more pointed, uh, which I love. That's a great trend. Um, and so, yeah, without further ado, I will announce that the Global Agency of the Year for 2018 is TBWA Worldwide. They uh, are, I guess, depending on when you came into advertising, they're known for different things and known in different ways. Uh, You know, some people, like, still talk about the work they did for PlayStation in, you know, circa 2003 when they made Mountain and some of those, like, super groundbreaking, incredible work. Uh, A lot of people think back to 1984, uh, the most iconic Super Bowl ad of all time. That was Chiat Day, which eventually merged with TBWA, and today is called TBWA Chiat Day. Uh, Still uh, probably... You know, the kind of the centerpiece of of that network. Uh, But I would honestly say that people in the last few years who came into marketing know them best as Apple's agency. Uh, TBWA Media Arts Lab is the very large branch of TBWA that is dedicated 100% to Apple. It is a one client agency, it is a global agency, and this year became even more so. Uh, So it's kind of interesting. Just within TBWA, you have this whole other. Uh, global agency of Media Arts Lab uh, that just to support the glowing the growing global ambitions of Apple and uh, you know I, I think we should just go ahead and start the conversation by talking about their work uh, which is certainly the most fun aspects to talk about it was just so good so good this year I mean I've I I would personally say it's the best year of Apple marketing uh, in many. Uh, many years, like since circa 2007, uh, I, I, which was the last kind of golden age, the last time that uh, TBWA was named our global agency of the year was 2008, uh, when they were doing Get a Mac, you know, the I'm a Mac, I'm a PC uh, <laughs> campaign. Wait, is that the one and, with Justin
3: Long? Yeah. I'm trying to remember. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Justin ah, Long. Yes. John Hodge. Justin Long. Oh.
2: Um, and they were... You know, they were crushing it in oh seven oh eight. They were doing amazing work uh, across around the world. Their London office was on fire. Uh, you know, Media Arts Lab was doing uh, just a ton of really good Apple stuff. And and let's talk about the talent they had in like 2007, 2008, because it is hilarious. If you're a real nerd on advertising, you will love this. They had Jerry Graff. They had Colleen Decoursey. <laughs> Uh, they had Rob Schwartz, who, to his credit, stayed there and is now running the, the you know, I think he's CEO of the New York office. Uh, they had Craig Allen, who recently started the Callen Agency as an existential one in Kennedy. I mean, it was this, like, super all-star, like, knowing what we know now about where advertising went. It was this, like, talent, this incredible, like, the way people talk about certain years of the Yankees or whatever. It's just, like <laughs> oh my God. it's like, they were all these amazing people. And then it fell apart. Um, And, you know, I've been told by people who were there in those years uh, that the CEO who took over at the end of 2007, uh, Tom Carroll, uh, who took over the whole global network, that he just created this atmosphere of kind of – politics and discord and chaos, uh, you know, and, and some of this has been reported on the record by us, especially in their New York office. That's why Jerry Graff left. He, know, you know, very publicly had a lot of throwdowns uh, with their CEO who went on to form uh, Barton F. Graff uh, and has done, you know, tons of great advertising since then. So if they had been able to hold on to Jerry Graff and to Colleen DeCorsi, who was their head of uh, digital at the time, um, you know, it's, and so they—it's just one of those tragic things where they were just on the verge of being, you know, the best agency on earth, and it just fell apart. And then uh, 2014, they hired uh, Troy Ruhannan as their global CEO. He, he is a uh, BBDO veteran. Uh, he's from Australia. And Troy's been quietly rebuilding. I think some people may be surprised by our pick of TBWA because it's been so quiet. Like he's been assembling, basically replacing almost all the creative leadership across their entire network. And a lot of it's been internal promotions, you know, just finding the great talent that they already had and moving them up or moving them into a better spot, uh, you know, maybe over to Media Arts Lab and just kind of putting all of his, you know, not to use a tired metaphor, but like putting all the chess pieces on the board in the right way. Uh, and this year just really saw it time and again. Uh, so let's talk. Let's remind people about Welcome Home. Uh, Doug, r- remind us about the premise of Welcome Home. This is one that uh, was promoting the Apple HomePod. Uh, but remind us about this ad.
1: Yeah, I mean it's uh, it's just beautiful work done by Spike Jones, uh, starring FKA Twigs, and it's I, I mean I, it, it's one of those things where if you try to explain it, you're really not honestly doing it justice because it's just this very, um, I I mean, how would you, David, I mean, you and I have talked about this (laughs) back and forth, but it's just, it's one of those things where it's such beautiful work that words sometimes don't necessarily do it justice. I mean, it just has all of these interesting twists and turns. It's beautifully shot. It's just, it's fun. It's, I mean, again, if I sit here and try to describe this thing to you,
2: I, I will not do it any justice at all. I mean, Well, and and I should throw this back at Christina because what I think has been most rewarding for me to hear people talk about it is that it starts out with this very universal uh, setting, right, of like a woman coming home on the subway just beat down by life. It's just,
3: you know, um, as has been mentioned on this podcast before, I moved out of New York after 10 and a half years there and just the like pure (laughs) – terror of getting on the subway and being cramped in and sweaty with people and sad about the state of the MTA and also the world. It just like, it makes the experience of commuting in New York the absolute worst. And so for them to capture that in just a few seconds of FKA twigs, you know, uh, emoting beautifully with her face, that uh, just, it's just so terrible. I feel bad for patrick for still having to commute um <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
2: the, ol- the only one yeah. of us uh having to trudge through um
3: it. but it's just like the the way that they do that and then they transition into this like sort of um it feels like it's a lonely existence when you think about someone coming home with groceries after a rainy day in New York and asking their home pod, not a person, their home pod to put on something that they would like. Um, So you have this like personal connection between a depressed person and technology. And then it sort of like builds into this um, very visually stunning uh work that explores how music can make you feel less lonely it can make your home feel bigger than it is it can bring color back into your life it can it can do so much for you and you know the the way that it's done and the way that that story unfolds and it's told the style is just really surprising And also to see um, sets like the ones that they built for this ad where they're practical sets. And if you watch the behind the scenes, you see all of the little tricks that they had to come up with to not only, you know, have FK twigs like move a glass a certain way and then have someone else be pulling a lever. It's just that piece of work. And I know we've talked about it a lot on this podcast. And I know if you've seen it already, you're like, okay, yeah, 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 we get it. But that piece of work is incredible. It's incredible. I don't know. Well, it's one, just, one,
1: one thing so that... Well, clearly, Christina did it justice and I did not. Uh, but one thing, <laughs> one, one, thing that, one thing that stands out to me, and, and it's not necessarily just this ad, but everything uh, about that brand, there is a reason for everything in every ad. Nothing mm-hmm. is a throwaway. There There is a tremendous amount of thought that goes into everything. Every single tiny little detail uh, of of every ad. And, you know, David, you had just covered uh, their holiday ad, which had all of those great Easter eggs in it. Those are all there for a reason. And when you talk to the creative team, I love talking to that creative team. because you just end up getting things that you wouldn't even think about. So it's a, it's really, the way that they approach creativity, especially for this brand is incredibly thoughtful, well thought out. No small detail is left, you know, left by the wayside. And they, they often ask themselves, how can we do more? How can we connect this to this and connect this to this and this? And it, and it appears seamless and that's what makes it really beautiful.
3: It is. And, but, and, just to add to that, like for them to even think, oh, we're going to make this really beautiful ad, we should probably show the behind the scenes process for this. Yeah. To think to do that is just another example of that. And we were talking about Thanksgiving earlier and our families caring about things. Like after my Thanksgiving dinner with my family, I made them all watch the HomePod pa- Home ad and the behind the scenes, and everyone sat there. And they were so interested in it. And it's like, it's it's stuff like that where people care about the craft behind something that it's an ad, but it's beautiful and you want to know more. And how can you not love that?
1: Well, it's it goes back to the theory that I've thrown out in the past, which is people, despite everything out there, people are still drawn to beautiful things. And you take a look at our, you know, at all of the agency of the year winners and the work that they've done in some way or another has some beauty to it. And I don't think that's something that will ever change because we're so inundated with things on a daily basis. There come times here and there where you have to stop and really pay attention. So I think it goes back to that argument that happens between in the agency world and in the brand world. Which is, does the big idea or ideas still matter? Do they still matter? And I would argue that they always
2: will matter.
3: Humans are raccoons. We all just want something shiny. <laughs>
2: <laughs> um I, you know, I, I, again, this is another one I could spend a, a whole hour just talking about their work. I did want to cover just because they are a global agency of the year. I don't want people to think this is just, oh, they did, you it's know, great Apple ads. Uh, they, in Dubai, uh, they did a really celebrated campaign uh, between, uh, the road between uh, Dubai and Abu Dhabi. Uh, was turned into a, a highway art gallery celebrating the Louvre Abu Dhabi, uh, which is an official extension of the Louvre. But uh, you know, according to the case study, there wasn't really a museum, art museum going culture uh, in the in that area. So they kind of had to introduce some people to the, you know the museum experience. Uh, so basically, you would drive past these huge ads showing you great works of art. And you would tune to a specific radio station that was on a short burst, uh, short, you know, short-range burst. And it would tell you about that work, like as if you're listening to an audio guide. And this is like the longest road in UAE, uh, and so I'm sure it's and it's just desert. I mean, it's, yeah. it's a dull yeah. drive. So they really gave people something to interact with, uh, and it, it got you know global attention. Uh, one that uh, a lot of people haven't heard about uh, was for the uh, it's called Breaking Ballet. This was for the Joburg Ballet, in Johannesburg, uh, and. I don't even have time to get into it. It's so good. But they basically took all these... People felt that ballet wasn't culturally relevant anymore. And so they created these like pop culture ballet videos for Instagram and for social media. And basically it's like they would take... Uh, you know, a, a very specific pop culture moment or some big discussion or some big movie coming out, and they would make a little short ballet thing out of it. Just, the, I mean, so much brilliant, culturally relevant work uh, coming out of their offices. They, you know, in Asia, they really bolstered there. They named a new creative chief for, uh, for China, uh, for TBWA China. Uh, they uh, really ramped up a lot of work in Singapore. Uh, they won the Uniqlo account in both China and Singapore. Uh, so I think we're going to be seeing a lot more uh, out of Asia in the next few years. And then one of my favorites too is uh, in Helsinki, uh, in Finland. When Trump and Putin uh, came, uh, the uh, TBWA Helsinki did this uh, free press campaign oh for God, uh, that Helsinki. Was so funny. Uh, you know, for, for uh, the newspaper, Helsing and Mat, uh they did this uh, campaign that welcomed Putin and uh, Trump to the land of the free press and had all this, like, basically trolled them on their entire drive from the airport, <laughs> <laughs> like, all along every road. It was just all these, like, headlines about, <laughs> about you know, autocracy and about uh, you know, it's shutting down the free press. And, and so, I mean, just almost literally every country they were in I think they still have some room to go in South America I think they they did some really cool stuff and won some big accounts uh, in Brazil in Buenos Aires uh, this year but um, you know they uh, they they're doing Netflix down there now I mean they they're they're getting a lot of big accounts I think you're gonna see that's where they probably uh, really start ramping up things next. But, uh, you know, TBWA, they're, they're, they were ranked something like fifth uh, this past year at Cannes, which people may say, oh, if, if they're the global agency of the year, why weren't they first? But the reality of those award shows is that a lot of it's just based on your size and your marketing budget. You know, how many entry fees can you send in? How big is your network? Uh, but the reality is a few years ago, they were like 11th. And then they were, the next year, it was like eighth, and then seventh, and then fifth. <laughs> you know, it's like they are, you're very clearly seeing that TBWA has been climbing back over this past 10 years from from basically falling apart uh, to being... Uh, you know the the best uh, best position, at least global uh, agency network going into 2019, uh, and I think we'll see a lot more from this. So you know, props to uh, Troy Rohanen to as the global CEO and to uh, you know a lot of the executives there, the new leadership at Media Arts Lab, uh, which. You know, was timed really well for Tor Mirren, uh going to Apple as their head of you know VP of Marketing Communications. He that that's a great partnership between those two. Uh, so, yeah, congratulations to TBWA. Uh, and, uh, oh, and oh, and wait, we okay. Well, it's, uh, I want to listen to an ad from each one. Uh, the The big part of TBWA we did not talk about is Lucky Generals. Uh, this is only a five year old agency, so it's essentially a startup in the in London, created by three uh, London uh you know, longtime agency veterans, uh who had worked at, you know, all at Mother and all these amazing agencies there. They started Lucky Generals five years ago. Fascinating shop, fascinating story I don't really have time to get into, but last year they were acquired by TBWA and uh, and at the time, I think a lot of us hadn't really heard of them. Uh, but this year, they did some incredible work. Uh, they, they got Mariah Carey to star in a hostel ad, uh, like as in for a chain of hostels, uh, which <laughs> oh my is God, fantastic. I if you about haven't that. seen that? Yeah, that's uh, was good. So yeah, that was our, it's host- You can look up Mariah Carey, Ad Week, Hostels. I don't know what you'll find it. It's a great spot. But the one I really want to listen to, again, even though everyone's heard it, if we're sticking with Super Bowl today, is uh, Alexa Lost Her Voice, uh, Lucky General's ad, 90-second ad for uh, for Amazon uh, from the Super Bowl this year. So let's listen to some of that. Alexa,
1: show me a recipe for a grilled cheese sandwich. Pathetic. You're 32 years of age and you don't know how to make a grilled cheese sandwich. Its name is the recipe, you
2: Alexa,
4: how far is Mars?
2: Oh, crap. How far is Mars? Well, how am I supposed to know? I've never been there. This guy want to go to Mars. <laughs> For what? <laughs> There's not even oxygen there. Alexa, set the mood.
0: Now setting the mood, you're in the bush. And you're just
2: so dirty. And you're so sweaty.
1: Because
2: it's hot in that bush. Alexa, rebush, Re-reboot. Alexa, play some country music.
3: I don't dance now. I make money moves. No, no, Alexa.
2: Country music.
3: What's the call, Brandon? I'm afraid Brandon is a little tied up. But do let me know if there's anything I can help you with.
2: <laughs> Jessica?
3: Gotta love Cardi B. You get, you just gotta love her. <laughs> She's so good
2: at it. The, uh, I mean, I... Th- I, and, you know, what's funny is when I interviewed them in person, the, the founders, they were like, are you, is Adweek the ones who did the math and figured out how expensive the pause is when the guy's asking for country music? <laughs> 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 it's like hundreds of thousands of dollars of Super Bowl airtime to sit there saying absolutely nothing. I was like, yeah, yeah, that's us. Um, well, anyway, congratulations to BWA. Now let's talk about our breakthrough agency of the year. Patrick, I'm going to kick it back to you. Uh, breakthrough uh, is a category that's not existed for too long. Uh, we've had David, uh, the agency that does so much great work uh, for Burger King and Heinz. Uh, we've had uh, Venables Bell, an incredible agency on um, on Audi and a few others. Uh, and, uh, and we've had Heat, uh, which did a lot for uh, Activ- Activision uh, for... Um, the Madden, uh, all the Madden work a few years ago. Who was 2018's Breakthrough Agency of the Year?
4: It was Giant Spoon, David.
2: Giant Spoon. I feel like this is an agency that you either know and feel like you've heard about constantly or you've never heard of at all. Like those are the only two extremes <laughs> of, of Giant Spoon. Uh, so, Patrick, remind us like, who is Giant Spoon and why should anyone care about them?
4: Well, they are. Um you mentioned Lucky Generals. Giant Spoon is another agency that's only been around for five years, which is both an eternity and like no time at all in the advertising world. And uh, I think the real interesting thing about them is that you know we you hear a lot about um, experiential marketing. It's nothing new, uh, but there it's it's growing bigger uh, as. You know, consumers' attention spans get shorter as broadcast campaigns are less reliable. There's more of a need for um, brands to create these actual experiences that people want to go to. And that was, I think, what really um, led us to pick Giant Spoon as Breakthrough Agency uh, because they created several of these and the the most prominent of which was for HBO at South by Southwest where they – made a, an entire replica of Sweetwater, the fake town in HBO's Westworld. So it was the fake version of the fake Western town. <laughs> um, and it was really, uh, I mean, the show I find infuriating personally, but it just, you know, you while you were there, you were totally immersed in yeah, it. Yeah, um, I, I went to it
3: and it was um, really impressive Like the the actors did not break character. I mean, the they wrote. They said they wrote like uh, somewhere between like 140 or 180 pages of scripts for all of those actors. It was something like that. I might have the numbers wrong. Uh, I'm trying to remember all the way back to March, but it was something crazy like that, and just like everywhere you looked there was a detail from the show and they made it so that you know you were trying to find clues and um, and you would lead to other clues of like what the what the series would be and anyone who was attending it like if you sought to go and check your mail, there was a letter there waiting for you with some weird symbol. It's like no one, I mean, so much of experiential marketing right now, people think of it as like, oh, okay, so so this brand created a pop-up where it looks like, you know, something great for you to put on your Instagram, but the actual experience is for shit. And this, (laughs) I mean, (laughs) truly, like that's so much of it. It's like we're invited to so many pop-ups and it's just like, okay, I'm here. What do I actually do Um, other than take a picture with my phone? Uh, where, whereas this one is just like, oh, my God, it was so immersive. It was great.
4: Well, in this case, it was like you are like someone on the show yeah. who is paying to be a part of this uh, town that they created out in the desert Yeah, somewhere. they made you
3: pick like um, – th- or no, they picked a hat for you, whether you were like a good guy or a bad guy. It was a bad guy. They like had the hats ready it for you. Was 10 gallons? And then they had you go through this like weird um, – Room where you like picked your accessories, and then you had to like walk through a train where the actors started, and then you were in the town. Like, there were so many levels to it.
2: Yeah, I, I feel like, the uh, you know, for Giant Spoon, they this was another—this was a year of pretty easy choices in the sense that all of our votes were unanimous, which is rare. Usually there's a lot more debate um, with—I feel like Giant Spoon, everyone, when we were like, so who should be, you know, a breakthrough agency? And of course, there were like 10 shortlisted uh, agencies— and everybody said Giant Spoon. Like it's just the the level of craft and sophistication they bring to every single project uh, is is so intense and so rare. Uh, and I feel like you know we we have a piece. Uh, I, I you know each of us has a piece in this week's issue. Uh, looking forward to trends we expect to see in twenty nineteen. And one of the ones I put in there for myself is uh, that I think we're going to see. The worlds of production and experiential really mash up together because a lot of places have been investing in really good production houses, like uh, you know Mart- Martin Sorrell buying uh, Media Monks, and I think we're going to see more people doing, trying to do what Giant Spoon is already doing, is to, to Christina's point, creating experiential marketing that has a production quality and level that's really. Like three dimensional in a way that that we've barely ever seen before. Um, since since uh, Westworld's not the easiest one to listen to, let's listen to one other piece from Giant Spoon. They did a they've they've now done I believe a three part series uh, with oh, Christian Slater. I love Slitter, this. Uh, oh, for I love a, this. <laughs> yeah for <laughs> for HP called uh, the Wolf. Uh, it's maybe a little. Two on the nose in terms of being Christian Slater after his wonderful turn in the first season of Mr. Robot and it's very similar in in style and in tone but let's listen to a little of the newest installment of The Wolf this is I mean a a Hollywood caliber uh, produced kind of short films Uh, but let's listen to a little of the most recent installment from Giant Spoon
4: whoa 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 everybody stop
1: this is my favorite part That moment, when powerful people realize there's someone else with even more power in the room. Confusion, panic, disbelief. A wolf's favorite food groups. That's the one that always gets me. Disbelief, how is it? that people can still be so surprised when someone like me comes knocking. It doesn't matter how protected you think you are. Inevitably, you'll stumble and forget to turn the line.
2: Sir, Well, congratulations uh, to Giant Spoon on being our 2018 Breakthrough Age of the Year. It's time for our last category. Okay, as I mentioned, uh, the the final category is international agency. This is our youngest one. We've only ever named one. Uh, Last year was our first one. It was Okushtum Holst, uh, which did a lot of incredible work. You know, honestly, we named them our global agency, the I mean, international agency of the year before they did the ad that you pee on. Oh right, (laughs) which is (laughs) like Mm -hmm. ended up being like their most famous ad ever. It's like literally a an IKEA print ad that you pee on to find out if you're pregnant, and if you are, then they give you a discount on cribs. And that thing just blew up and was everywhere. And it's like, oh, hey, we, we made a good choice. Because last year, not a ton of people were talking about Åkerstam Holst, but we really felt like they were uh, positioned there in Sweden. Uh, and they were just kind of positioned to be the next Forsman and Bodenfors and some of these other amazing shops coming out of Scandinavia. Uh, this year, we are not in Scandinavia. We are in France. And the winner is Rosa Park. This is one where a lot of people may not know the name, but I think what is fascinating to me and what we really came up in the discussion of uh, international agency of the year is that everything Rosa Park does is interesting, and that's not to say it's always great or that it's always like the best thing you've ever seen, but it's always fascinating. Like they, it's they just have so much fun clearly uh, with the work they produce, with the, the ideas they come up with, and finding ways to execute those ideas in a way that's ambitious enough, but not so gigantic that they shatter their budgets. Um, you know, I think uh, Monoprix, the grocery store chain in France, is probably their best-known client, uh, and and they don't just do funny stuff. They did a, a really powerful uh, piece for Belgium, uh, for Brussels, I believe, mm-hmm. after the terror attacks there, where they made hologram statues of local of like local Belgians uh, to celebrate the the kind of the strength of the city. So they've done very serious work, uh, but at the same time, they've also done just some really entertaining and very fun work. I have to say. Uh, my personal favorite of the year is The Worst Song in the World. Oh, my God. Please don't
3: play that for anyone on oh, this I'm gonna play. because I'm it's just going to no, be gonna stuck play. in their head. Yep. That, that yeah, thing was stuck yeah. in my head for like a solid week after hearing it.
2: It's always, it's always okay. <laughs> <laughs> Like That song has not left. <laughs> it's so and all mean. it takes is anyone saying. All it takes is anyone saying like that's the worst song, and then Ugh. it is it, it is back on replay. Uh, so yeah, so this is an ad for Monoprix uh, that we've discussed before on the podcast. But uh, essentially, worst song in the world uh, was a bit of a a long form gag, almost like a, a, a shaggy dog kind of a joke where. It's an entire long ad of an 80s song playing in this poor woman's ears. <laughs> She's walking with her earbuds, <laughs> and this really terrible 80s, early 90s song comes on uh, that they custom wrote, of course, for the ad. God bless them, they, they recorded it in English. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and throughout the song, there's all these lines about, like, why don't you skip this song? Like, it's literally in the lyrics, like, why don't you skip this track? <laughs> <laughs> and like, all this. And, and at the end, we find out she could not skip it because in her hands, she was carrying her groceries. Uh, and she could not, I guess, stop the few seconds to uh, take her earbuds out or skip the song. Uh, and it was an ad for their delivery service. And basically just saying, like, you don't have to lug all this stuff yourself. We'll bring it to you. Uh, but you know, such a weird little punchline to that thing. But also just the production on this—the song is legitimately earworm. Uh, I, I mean, I say it's great; it's great at what it's supposed. I to be. now
3: have—we haven't <laughs> even listened to it, and it's stuck in my head again because I remember it. And like when you when right. you started describing the woman and like holding her stuff, it's like crap. Yep. It's in there again
2: <laughs> yeah here it is. All right let's listen to a little before we're uh, out of time to let's listen to a little of the worst song, the worst song in the world. <laughs> Right, definitely check out our. We, we've 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 really barely scratched the surface of any of these agencies. There are long articles, truly uh, the worst. <laughs> the uh, <laughs> it's it's wonderfully bad. Like if you can pull off if you can pull off like good bad, that's one of the hardest things to do in advertising. Like it's easy to make bad bad.
3: That's that's real. I think that's one of the hardest things to do in general. Whenever I'm watching something and they and someone has to like pretend to be a bad actor while also doing like good acting, I'm like. You did great. And that's what these guys did. And I mean, can you imagine
2: being brought in like, we want you to write a song and we want it to be bad, but we want it to be good. (laughs) It's like, Oh, okay. And, and we want it to be in English, (laughs) even though we're all French. (laughs) So, um, all right. And so as I mentioned, uh, we have long articles on each of these. Uh, I wrote the feature on TBWA. Patrick wrote the feature on Widening Kennedy. Uh, I believe uh, Lindsay Rittenhouse wrote the piece on um, yep. Giant Spoon, correct?
4: Yep. And Eric Oster yeah, wrote the right. one on Rosa Park.
2: Yeah, so definitely check each of those out. All of us put in a lot of time talking to folks all over the world uh, at those agencies. Uh, speaking of which, we will have a bonus episode coming really soon from my visit to TBWA London, uh, which has been kind of... London used to be their hottest market, and now they're trying to make a comeback there. They're rebuilding TBWA London. Re- they bought Lucky Generals, as we discussed, uh, So, and they actually promoted a woman from Lucky Generals to run TBWA London. So we talked to her, uh, Sarah Tate, and that'll be up soon. Uh, but, um, yeah, thank you so much, each of you, for making time to join us, and thanks for uh, all the insights on these uh, agencies. Patrick, you feel, in, uh, in, I guess, in parting, like, how do you feel about this year's roster of agencies compared to some years past?
4: I mean I think it was solid. Uh, I, I think the um, process was fair. I mean it- Some of our choices may not surprise people, but others certainly, certainly will. So that's kind of what we want, right?
3: I love that this year we're highlighting marketing that is not just like, this campaign was great, even though we spent a lot of this podcast talking about like these great campaigns. Like with Giant Spoon, with, you know, Rosa Park, we're like talking about weird other aspects of marketing where it's just like, it's it's beyond just, you know, this amazing 30 second. And I think that's kind of what, has to be part of our process going forward is recognizing marketing. That's not just, you know, one amazing spot, but it's so much. And as you were saying with TBWA, like it's, it's hard to point to uh, an agency when like the, it, it feels like the wheels have been turning for a really long time, but maybe not as noticeably. And, you know, it makes for a great story for us, but it's also like, I don't know. I don't know what I'm saying. I'm just saying I like the picks this year, and I also, like keep making good marketing, you yeah, I mean, guys. I, I feel like
2: when it, I say that we scratch the surface on these, because you're right, it's like we've talked about the stuff that comes out of these agencies, but what we we didn't really have time to get into is the stuff going on behind the scenes. You know, we talked about TBWA is like building out their mm-hmm. leadership. They're also diversifying their leadership. A lot of women uh, being placed in, in charge of very mm-hmm. important agencies, uh, offices around the world. Uh, Widen's certainly a key player in that in that uh, movement as well. Uh, you know, just the the strat, the way they're including things like boring, traditionally boring. Stuff like uh, performance marketing. Uh, you know, we didn't even talk about TBWA It's probably their largest client, maybe other than Apple is uh, Nissan, uh, and and we that's didn't. a mm-hmm. that's a performance marketing thing. Like I talked to their uh, you know their CMO globally, and he's just like these guys get it. They just get it. They get the role that data should play. They get the role performance marketing could play. And this was the best year we've ever had with them. And that's a longtime partner There's, uh, You know, they almost kind of lost that client. Like, it shifted away in 2017, and they got it right back in uh, New York. Um, so, uh you know, it's, there's a lot going on under the hood of these agencies. I feel like all of them are positioned really well uh, going into 2019. I think they're going to be names we hear even more. Uh, so it, even if anybody's surprised by any of these picks, I think a year from now, much like when we named Widening Kennedy a year ago, and some people were probably surprised by that. Uh, but, man, uh, we have been proven right on that one. Um and, uh, and I should note that our US agency of the year last year, McCann, also had a really strong year, not, qu- not quite up to this level. Uh, they didn't quite have that fearless girl home run uh, that they had last year. But, uh, you know, they did well. Uh, Omnicom agencies across the board did great. DDB and BBDO had very strong years. Um, so And TBWA is part of that holding company as well. So they had a lot to, to celebrate. But it was, a, it, was, it was a good year.
3: And all of that during like a really wild year for agencies, yeah.
4: just it's in true. general. Uh, I mean, just to me, the point is, it's it's not just about who had the most visible ad or who won the biggest account. You know, it's it really is Mm -hmm. a lot more subtle than that. Or there's, there's many more factors that go into it, which reminds me, it's about time to start on Media Agency of the Year. <laughs> <laughs> well,
1: and the, 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 the other thing, too, is seeing a lot of the work that was coming from outside of the United States, because David and I talked about this quite a bit. You know, you see stuff coming out from South America and, you know, Colenso BBDO, you know, over the years has been, you know, really strong. And it's been interesting to see some of these uh, holding company outposts outside of the United States doing some really interesting things. So I think, I honestly, I think International Agency of the Year is going to be a, a really interesting category next year.
2: So I'll be interested to see how that pans out. Yeah, for sure. Well, thank you each so much. Uh, we are out of time, but uh, appreciate everybody listening and joining uh, for the conversation. Definitely check out all those articles on adweek.com. Uh, our theme music is by Home. This episode was edited by Lane McGibney, produced by Anya Fernando. Thank you, Anya. Thank you, Lane. Uh, we've got audio production from Josh Rios. Big thanks, as always, to Josh. Please take a moment, if you haven't already, to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. They mean a lot to us personally, and they help new listeners discover the show. Uh, I'm David Griner with Ad Week, and we'll be back uh, very soon. So, talk to you then.